0: Welcome to the era's tour, Hope Ankeny style, yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to Hope. My name is Scott Reins, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, it's so great to be worshiping with you today. If you are new to Hope, a great big welcome to you. I feel a little new to Hope today myself. I had uh, the absolute blessing of a sabbatical this summer and so I've been away since June. It is so great to be back, so great to look out and see some faces I do not recognize. Looking to, uh, forward to getting to know you and, and have those faces become familiar. Also awesome to look out and see some very familiar faces. And, you know, we tried our best to stay off social media and and to unplug and and disconnect over the course of the summer. Uh, Worshipped online with some churches around uh, the country and, and visited some churches. But it's great to be back at our family's church home. We've been here for almost 17 years. And over the course of those years, I have found a God who loves me enough to give me grace. And I've discovered that grace is a whole lot bigger and a whole lot better than I ever imagined it could be. Grace is the power of God to save us from our sins. This is what Paul is writing about in our Bible reading for today. We'll put it up on the screen. Let's read this out loud together. Read it with me. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. Uh, The message series is letters penned by Paul. So remember, there was a time in church history where every church was brand new, and nobody really knew how do we be the church, what does it mean to be a pastor. And so Paul's going around starting churches in places like Corinth and Philippi and Thessalonica and uh, Ephesus. Timothy is the first pastor of that church in Ephesus. He doesn't know what he's doing, and so Paul is kind of giving him some tips. And he writes letters to him. Two of the letters get included in the New Testament. So we have the first letter to Timothy, the second letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, those those sorts of things. And one of the very first things Paul wants Timothy to understand is that as you lead your church, as you pastor your people, remind them of the centrality of this idea. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And, And Paul knows something about this. A couple of decades earlier, he wasn't Paul, he was Saul. And he thought grace was a scam, that, that Jesus didn't save anyone, grace didn't save anyone. You were saved by perfect obedience to the law of Moses. And so Saul was doing everything he could to get people to not follow after Jesus, but instead to move away from Jesus. He would even resort to violent acts to get people to move away from Jesus. I want you to think about this phrase for a little bit moving away from Jesus. I wonder if this might be a helpful way for us to think about sin. Uh, Too often we reduce sin and we talk about sin as if it's only uh, behaviors. When we reduce sin to behaviors, we end up reducing faith to behaviors as well. And faith is a whole lot more than behavior. It's a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's about connection. It's about attachment and of course there's a a way of life life that draws us closer and closer deeper and deeper into relationship all the time and there's a way of life that moves us away from jesus disconnects us from jesus and the life that he has paul says christ jesus came into the world to save sinners to open our eyes and to help us see the way this is happening in our life the ways in which we are drifting it's a big part of the power of grace in our life and grace is bigger than that Grace is also the power of God when we're moving away from Jesus, drifting away, getting disconnected. Grace is the power of God to reconnect us. I'm the vine and you are the branches, Jesus says. Remain in me. Abide in me. Attach your life to my life. Because this is where the very best kind of life is found. So grace is the power of God to save us from our sins and grace is the power of God to change us, to transform us. And sometimes we get stuck in life. ever gone through a season where you feel kind of stuck in life? And one of the reasons we end up getting stuck in life is when we reduce grace to just being a one and done kind of thing. God saved me, period, end of story. But what scriptures point out is this idea that grace just keeps getting poured out day after day, over and over again into our lives, moment by moment, decade after decade. It's this renewing movement of the Holy Spirit to uh, reconnect us with the power of grace. Uh, big thanks to Sean and the worship team for their cover of that U2 classic, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I wonder how those lyrics hit you this morning. I'm guessing there are some people in this room who are in kind of a crossroads season, maybe a crisis moment in your life. Uh, the reality is you are here because your life has gotten so bad. And you've tried things. Is this going to work? Is this going to help? And nothing seems to be making it better. So you thought, maybe I'll come to church for the very first time. Or maybe for the first time in a long time. And your hope is you might find here whatever it is you've been looking for. Maybe you would say you're a long time churchgoer. You are consistent in your worship, you uh, pray regularly, you serve, you, this, the whole Holy Bible in a year is our theme for the year, and you've been keeping up consistently with the Bible readings, and yet, and still, you find yourself in this season of spiritual dryness. You're in a spiritual desert. You're wondering, where is God? Where is this life that's supposed to come through the power of grace? And so maybe for you, when you heard those lyrics, I still haven't found what I'm looking for, something inside you said, yeah. That's me. About a year ago, my wife Wendy and I started to watch a TV show called The Bear on FX. It was all right, Uh, I wasn't blown away by it. It's about this guy, Carmi Berzada. That's why it's called The Bear. Uh, He grows up in Chicago. Leaves Chicago, becomes one of the best chefs in the world is at really fancy, expensive restaurants in New York City and in Europe, but as the show begins, he moves home to Chicago to take over the family business, a restaurant called The Original Beef of Chicagoland. Uh, it is not a fancy gourmet dining experience by any stretch of the imagination. And initially, he's just trying to save the beef. It's almost in bankruptcy, they're afraid they're going to have to close the doors. But over the course of the season, he gets a new vision. More than just saving the beef, he wants to transform it from the beef to the bear. Uh, Three days after my sabbatical began, they released season two of the bear. And I wasn't overly excited about it, primarily because of this guy on the right over here. His name is Cousin Richie. And before Carmi showed up, Richie was running the beef. And so he's got a bit of a beef with Carmi when Carmi comes to take over everything. Richie is one of my least favorite television characters of all time. He just is like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. He's loud, he is obnoxious, he talks like he knows everything when he really doesn't know very much at all. He swears as if it's like as natural as breathing to him. Hats off to our production team. Scott and uh, Alex did a great job editing these clips so we could you know, make them suitable for worship. It's not a family-friendly TV show, but it's a beautiful... The second season is some of my favorite television ever. Yeah okay. here, um, it, it, anyway, I don't know. keep going. Keep going. Um, in the first season, I said to Wendy one time, "I want them to write him off the show. He he is just so annoying to me. He's ruining it for me." So I reluctantly sit down with her to start season two. And just a couple minutes into it, I'm like, "Ah, maybe season two is going to be a little different. Take a look."
1: can you call Sal and get a drywall estimate? Thirteen. Thirteen what, by That'll be his drywall estimate. Oh. Okay. Yo, you ever think about purpose? I love you, but I do not have time for this, all right? I have time for this. Purpose. What's my purpose, homie? Your shirt says original birth. It's a printing mistake. Collector's item. You know, um, I'm trying really hard to be on board. I'm reading a lot. I'm trying to learn about who am I to my history. So in one of these books, there's this dude who's got... No skills, no personality, nothing. All he does is watch his trains. Watch his trains do what? Watches them be trains. And he's got this group of friends that he's had since he's a little kid. You know, and they're outgrowing them. Like one's like a sick athlete, one's a genius. So that one's nasty on the keys, then, and one day, out of the blue, boom.
0: I told you it was the ERAs tour. We started with U2. We got Bruce Hornsby in the range. We're going to get to Taylor Swift by the end. Um, <laughs> his friends are outgrowing him, and then one day, boom. They, they leave him. They stop being his friend. The first thing I noticed as I was watching episode one of season two, they didn't call it season two, did they? They called it the bear part two, and it occurs to me that's what Christianity, that's what following Jesus is all about, moving from part one of our lives to part two of our lives. Think about Paul. Uh, Paul has this amazing uh, conversion experience on the Damascus Road. It moves him from part one of his life to part two of his life as he experiences the power of God's grace in his life to save him and then to transform him. And he's writing about it in this first letter to Timothy. Remember, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he keeps going in verse 16, "...but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners." then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Part one of Saul's life, he gets saved. Part two, he gets a name change from Saul to Paul. Part two, he gets a new calling. Instead of rounding up Christians and arresting them and trying to get them to move away from Jesus, now his calling is to tell people about everything that God has done for him, the mercy that he has received from God at the beginning of part two of the bear they're setting up a similar kind of transformational storyline you see the bear sign coming down uh, the beef sign coming down and it's going to change the name of the restaurant from the beef to the bear. They're going to transform uh, the the menu, and they're going to remodel the interior of the restaurant. It's about the transformation of the restaurant, but the show is really about the transformation of the people, even the obnoxiously annoying Cousin Richie. In the scene that we just watched, he is much more subdued than he ever was in season one, and he's being a little contemplative, reflective. He's growing in self-awareness. And you start to see his big and loud and abrasive exterior is all about uh, something that's going on inside him, an inner fear that's dominating his life. If he wasn't such a potty mouth, I would have let that scene keep going, and he would have very vulnerably opened up his heart to Carmi to say, hey, I'm afraid just like this guy who's watching." Uh, trains, and then boom, one day, everybody abandons him. I'm afraid that's going to happen to me. I'm trying to get on board with all the changes. I'm, I'm reading more, but I'm just afraid you're going to realize I don't have what it takes. I don't have the skills to be a part of this fancy restaurant that you're, that you're trying to do, and you're just going to drop me. Something about Carmi reminds me or feels a little familiar uh, when I compare it to a character that we encounter in the Gospels. If you have your Bibles, open up Mark chapter 5. I'll start reading in verse 1. Jesus and his disciples arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. The man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain, Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Uh, I'm not saying Cousin Richie is possessed by evil spirits. I am saying his fear is being lived out by this guy in Mark chapter 5. This guy is alone. This guy has been abandoned. Nobody wants to be close to this guy. But the power of grace is about to show up and move him from part one of his life to part two of his life. You keep reading through Mark chapter five and it tells us the man runs to Jesus. And in verse nine, Jesus demands, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. In other words, this man's name, his identity, he is defined by something that's going on inside him. Same thing is true for Cousin Richie and the bear. If if he continues to grow in his uh, self-awareness, if Jesus were to be in that basement having that conversation with him about purpose, and, and if Cousin Richie could be as open and honest and vulnerable as possible, if Jesus were to ask him, what is your name, Cousin Richie would have to respond, my name is fear. My name is disappointment. My name is not good enough. My name is unwanted. How about you? If, if you could be open and as honest and self-aware as possible and have a conversation with Jesus where Jesus asks you, what is your name? What is going on inside you today that is defining you? How would you respond to Jesus' question, what is your name? Some of us in the room might have to say, my name is Failure. My name is unlovable. My name is lost. Keep reading through Mark 5. Jesus casts all the evil spirits out of this man and sends them into a herd of pigs. The herd of pigs stampedes over a cliff into a lake where they drown. And uh, we don't have time today for me to go through the details of that because they're very theologically significant details. For today, I just want you to think about if any of you grew up on a farm or are in, involved in agriculture, imagine the economic disaster it would be if an entire herd died in an afternoon. Be awful. And if you knew Jesus is the one that did it, you would not be too happy with Jesus. And the people in that region are not happy with Jesus. You get to verse 17, Mark writes, The crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Sin is moving away from Jesus. Here's an entire region that wants to get as far away from Jesus as possible. They don't don't believe connection to Jesus, closeness to Jesus is a good thing. They need to be saved from that mindset But Jesus grants their wish. He gets in the boat to to leave. This man that he has just saved comes to Jesus and says, I want to come with you. Nobody here wants me around. Let me come with you. And Jesus says, no. Which is interesting, isn't it? And I put myself in the shoes of that man. If Jesus said, no, you can't come close to me. You can't go with me. I would be confused. I would be hurt. I might even be angry with Jesus why is Jesus dropping me why doesn't Jesus want me around that's where Richie is in part two of the bear he he is convinced everyone's going to drop him nobody wants him around and Carmi does his best to reassure him that's not going to happen I'm not going to drop you but he has this mindset he has this way Richie of of looking at his life he has this belief about himself that makes it really difficult for him to trust Carmi and it becomes even more difficult to trust Carmi when Carmi says, oh, I got an idea. While we're getting uh, this restaurant, you know, going through this transformation process before we open, how about you go, Richie, you go take an unpaid internship at the best restaurant in the world, which also happens to be in Chicago, run by Chef Terry, someone that Carmi used to work with. You go there and, and uh, Carmi wants Richie to learn some things, to observe that he might be able to bring back to the bear. But Richie believes this is step one of the end. This is Carmi just like slowly getting rid of me, and he really starts to believe this when all he does for the first couple of days is polish forks. Take a look.
1: Yo, Garrett, the Chef, I've been doing this forever. Can I wash dishes or something?
2: No, we got the best dishwashers in the world. We're just going to slow them down.
1: That wasn't clean. I've been doing this for nine hours. I think I know it's clean. I'm telling you that's not clean. That was not clean either. Please do them properly. Yo. Or d- Outside. <laughs> do you think this is below you or something? Man, I think I'm 45 years old polishing forks. No one is asking you to be here. I don't think anybody remembers your name. Nice try. You think I don't know how hard it is hiring people since COVID? We don't have that problem. You really drink this Kool-Aid, huh? Yeah, I do. Why? Because I love this, Richie. I love this so much, dude. Did you know that when this restaurant opened 12 years ago, it won the best restaurant in the world the same year? It's retained three stars because we have a waiting list that's long. 5,000 people waiting at any given moment long. Do you see their faces when they walk in here? How stoked they are to see us and how stoked we have to be to serve them? It takes 200 people to keep this place in orbit, and at any given moment, one of those people that is waiting in line gets to eat here. They get to spend their time and their money here. I'm sorry, bro, but we need to have some forks without streaks in them. Every day here is the freaking Super Bowl. You don't have to drink the Kool-Aid, Richie. I just need you to respect me. I need you to respect the staff, I need you to respect the diners, and I need you to respect yourself. New respect. Lovely, I'll see you inside.
0: Richie is viewing his life through the lens of punishment. 45 years old, I'm polish and polishing forks. Chef Garrett is viewing life through the lens of purpose and love. This restaurant has a waiting list 5,000 people long. Do you see how stoked they are when they get to come in? Do you see how stoked we have to be to serve them? Something similar is going on in, in Mark chapter 5. Uh, Jesus heals the man, the man wants to go with him, and Jesus says, No, nope, you don't get to come with me. And this is not Jesus trying to punish this guy, this is Jesus trying to help this guy begin part two of his life with purpose and with love. Jesus says, I want you to stay, and here's your assignment. Let's read it out loud together. Read it with me. But Jesus said, No, go home to your family. And tell them everything the Lord has done for you, and how merciful He has been. When's the last time you told somebody how much God has done for you? When's the last time you shared the story of your personal experience, of the power of God's grace in your life to save you, to transform you, to, to change your marriage, to change your family, to change your future? It's not just an assignment for this guy in Mark 5. It's not just assignment for people like Paul who's going to write you know, a lot of the New Testament. This is assignment for every single one of us. God wants to use you to be an instrument of God's grace to the people in your life. Uh, Paul writes all of these letters in the New Testament. In his second letter to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians, he spends a lot of time talking about the power of grace to save, the power of grace to transform. Uh, In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's a verse that might sound familiar to some of you. Paul writes, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. His new life has begun. Part one, part two. And notice how it's about connection growing in this relationship with Jesus that you have a sense of belonging to Jesus. It turns you into a new person. You are saved and you're transformed. Part one of your life, part two of your life. And then Paul keeps going and he describes what this new life, this transformed life is all about. All of this is a gift from God, he writes in verse 18, who brought us back to himself through Christ And God's given us this task of reconciling people to Him. Reconciling, reconciliation, this is a kind of a fancy church word, a a Bible word, but it simply means reconnect. We're moving away from Jesus, and the power of grace wants to reconnect us. And Paul's saying, God has given us, the church, this task of helping people be reconnected to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 20, he says this: We're Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We are Christ's ambassadors. Let's say that together. We are Christ's ambassadors. I love the way Garrett, in that scene we watched, is an ambassador for the restaurant where he works. And Richie's not buying it. He's skeptical. He's rolling his eyes. You're drinking the Kool Aid. But Garrett's like, I love this stuff. You bet I am. How about you when it comes to faith? What does it look like for you to be an ambassador for Christ with the people in your life, pleading with them, inviting them to come back to God? Part of what it looks like to be an ambassador for Christ is to prioritize your life in such a way that God doesn't just get the leftovers, God doesn't just get the scraps, you don't just squeeze in your faith life if and when you can, but faith is central. Faith is the foundation upon which everything else is built and not out of guilt, not out of fear of punishment if you don't set up your life this way, but in response to grace, in in response to the outpouring of God's grace in your life that saves you and transforms you and fills you with purpose and and fills you with love, you're an ambassador for Christ. I, I watched this show about starting a restaurant. I see a lot of ideas that you can transfer over to the church. I would love for us, whenever a, a first-time visitor comes to our church, I would love for them to be greeted at the door, whatever entrance they come in. We've got five entrances to this place, and I want people who are new to hope to come in and be greeted by someone who is stoked to serve them. And, and sometimes people have questions, like, do you have a nursery? Is there a Sunday school or a children's ministry? And sometimes people wonder do I have to be a member before my kids can go to the nursery? So I want someone at the doors who can answer those questions for them and say, yes. You can send your kids to the nursery. You can take your kids down to Hope Kids. You can bring your kids with you into worship, whatever you want. There's freedom here, but someone who can answer the questions for them, someone who will be an ambassador for Christ for them. We need that on the weekends. I preach to my staff all the time. People who come to church for the first time are making decisions about whether or not they're going to come back long before the sermon ever begins. You're ambassadors for Christ all weekend long, but also all week long. On Tuesday we had our staff meeting and we were kind of reconnecting as a staff and I said can you just share some stories of what you've seen God up to over the course of the summer and one of our staff members shared a story of a family that came to vacation bible school their kids loved it they were stoked to come back for worship the next weekend they've been loving uh, hope kids and this father was telling our staff member we think we found the church we've been looking for here at hope because you all are being ambassadors i I tried to stay away but i did listen to pastor Ashley's sermon on at taste of hope uh, at the end of vacation bible school and we when she said there were 600 volunteers for vacation bible school i was like. The church is doing just fine. The church is doing just fine. You're being ambassadors for Christ. Another way we see this happening, we do a lot of funerals around here. And, and one of the things I hear consistently from the families that we serve during the, those weeks of grief around funerals, they're so grateful for the way we have a lot of volunteers on the team around funerals, helping with uh, meals and helping you know, people know where to go. Staff and volunteers who care so well for people during those times. It's one of the ways we're ambassadors for Christ. Grace is the power of God to save us. Grace is the power of God to change us, to transform us. And this is one of the reasons why we're having this small group emphasis this year. We set a goal uh, between Rally Weekend, which is right now, and next summer at Vacation Bible School. We'd love to get 700 people uh, to take part in a small group here at Hope Ankeny. And Ashley talked about it in the announcements, if you were here, we're not asking you to sign up for a small group for the rest of your life. Uh, we're not even asking you to sign up for a small group for the year. Just a small group for seven, month, uh, seven months. Seven weeks. <laughs> seven weeks, just to be clear. seven weeks. in October, in November, you'll be done by Thanksgiving, and then we'll have another round of small groups in, in the winter that, that you can join. And so it's pretty easy to sign up, but if you have questions, ask one of us. Uh, we would be happy to help you do that. It's all like digitized, it's fantastic. Some of you are already in a small group. Some of you are looking to get in a small group. Here's uh, your opportunity. One of the reasons we're doing small groups is because our core value at Hope's is following Jesus is a growing experience. And we believe one of the best ways for us to grow is in Christian community. Uh, There's something about Christian community. Jesus models this for us. He's got his small group of 12, and they encourage each other, support each other. They pray for one another. Jesus teaches them gives them the opportunity to put into practice what what they've been taught. They serve together, and so we're going to give you that opportunity. The other thing about Christian community, it functions as a mirror. When we're in community with others, when we're in a group, it's like the other people in that group, they function as mirrors to help us see things that we might not be able to see if we were not in community. I see that happening with Richie in this Unpaid internship at this restaurant, people like Garrett, people like the other uh, staff members, the other chefs, they're holding up mirrors and he's starting to see things about himself. He's starting to see things about how the world works that he could not have seen if he wasn't part of that group. Take a look. Chef!
1: Relax. Chef.
2: Go.
1: Guest on nine, Emily overheard her tell her family that she was bummed that she was leaving Chicago without getting a chance to try deep dish.
2: Got it, thank you. Slow down, eight and nine, surprise on nine!
1: What's the surprise?
2: Take a while, guess.
1: You're gonna make them deep dish? Nope. Pick up for Richard. Corner, corner, behind, behind, on, behind, corner. Chef.
2: Walk four you to twenty one. P two is no dairy. Pick up canape for two. Behind these two canape, go right into four more canape. That six you're going on two by four. Faster, please. Fire six rabbit. Fire four hamachi. One is non dairy. I'm looking for
3: a back on 42.
2: Chef. Flat round. Yes, sir. 12, walking out. Three, going to 21. Pick up two hamachi, please. Basil gel. Kill yes, 31. Sh- 33, yes, chef. go.
0: Micro basil. Yes, chef.
2: Pick up wagyu, please. Three, going to 21.
1: Send it. Chef, can I b- bring it to the table?
2: Go get him,
1: Richie. Walk. Thank you, Chef.
2: Walking add-on
1: on table nine? Chef. All right, look alive, team. Almost there, just another seven courses. <laughs> I know you guys have probably waited a very long time to be here, thank you. Uh, but I couldn't live with myself if I let this beautiful family leave Chicago without sampling one of my personal favorite dishes, Pequod's deep dish. Oh, no. Oh,
2: you did oh not hear God. me say
0: that. Manja, baby. I'm not a food critic, but I thought the pizza looked better in the box than after the, ah, how about that? Where are you going for lunch? Um, Richie is starting to see what a life of purpose and love looks like. And, and it's beautiful the way that starts to impact his relationships. We see something similar happening in Mark chapter 5 and Mark chapter 6. Uh, Jesus tells this guy that he is healed, I need you to stay here, and I need you to be my ambassador and tell everybody what I've done for you. And then Jesus leaves. He goes back across the lake to the other side of the lake where he's doing his Jesus stuff. He's teaching, he's healing, he's doing miracles, he's continuing to equip his small group of disciples. He sends them out in ministry, they teach, they heal. It's just awesome, the, the, the spread of this Jesus movement. And then as we keep reading, we read about the death of John the Baptist. In chapter 6, we read about uh, the feeding of the 5,000. We read about Jesus walking on water. And at the end of Mark chapter 6, Jesus and his disciples end up back at this place where the pigs jumped off the cliff. And where everyone in Mark chapter 5 had been begging Jesus to go away, now in Mark chapter 6 there's something different happening. What's changed? I'll start reading in verse 53. After they crossed the lake, they landed at Genesaret. They brought the boat to shore and climbed out. The people recognized Jesus at once, and they ran throughout the whole area carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever Jesus went, in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged Jesus to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. Instead of begging Jesus to get far away, now they're begging Jesus to come near. And the only real thing that changed was this guy told his story. He was an ambassador for Jesus. And it changed everything. The word that Mark uses here for healed is the Greek word sozo. It means to heal, to be made whole. It's also the word that Paul uses in 1 Timothy When Paul says Christ Jesus came to save sinners, he uses the word sozo. Here's the good news for us, church. Jesus wants to sozo you. He wants to save you, wants to heal you, wants to make you whole. He wants to transform your life into a life of purpose In a life of love. And if we really believe that's who Jesus is and that's what Jesus wants for us, we would be joining this crowd begging Jesus to come close. We would be uh, setting up our life so that we could be as close to Jesus as possible. We would be doing what the guy in Mark 5 does, going and telling everyone the good news of the mercy and the grace that God has poured out into our lives. We'd be ambassadors for Christ. Of course, one of the things we need to be an ambassador for Christ we need to believe that god believes in us he's inviting us into this ministry of reconciliation he's inviting the church to be god's hands and and feet in in this world but some of us are like richie we're not really sure we have what it takes and so part of what i want to encourage you with today is i just want to encourage you to say yes to whatever it is that god's inviting you to say yes to finding a group say yes to serving Say yes to sharing your story. Say yes to inviting people. If you've got an empty seat next to you, you've got someone to invite next week to come back and take that seat. Say yes to God's invitation into this love story. God loves the world so much. God loves you so much. God wants to pour his grace into your life for you, but then ultimately through you. One more clip. Richie's time at this restaurant is coming to a close. He's still not quite sure what he believes, and he has this fascinating conversation with the head chef, Chef Terry. Take a look.
3: What are you making? I'm just peeling mushrooms for the lamb Tournelle. Peeling mushrooms. Yeah, it's just a nice little fun detail. So when the diners see it, they know that someone spent a lot of time on their dish. Don't have a go. Right. Okay. So hold it like this hmm Knife, 1,300. Grab the end and just peel, like that. Just so slowly.
1: Yeah. 1,300, huh? Yeah. Do you serve? Dad did. Yeah, same. Staff sergeant. Corporal. A lot of standards.
3: <laughs> yeah. Turns out I like standards.
1: Do you move around a lot?
3: Yeah. do You. I know Carmen.
1: I yeah, you know. I'm sorry that he pulled a favor.
3: Not at all. I don't do favors.
1: How's that? That's yeah, great. Can I do another one?
3: Yes, please do.
1: So why do you do
3: this? I like starting the day with this. Why? Respect. Feels attached. I think time spent doing this is time well spent.
1: Time well spent? That's what it's all about?
3: Yeah, I think so.
1: When did that start?
3: Oh, I I tried to open a giant place years ago. I had all these accolades, I was younger. I was on fire, I was arrogant. And uh, I tried to move too fast, couldn't keep the place open and the market crashed and I got killed. Public wipeout? Oh, yeah, the most public wipeout. So how did this place happen? Oh no, that was on my My 38th birthday, Mm -hmm. I was out walking all night, unemployed, angry, depressed, blaming everybody else for all the time I'd lost and the money I'd lost, all of it. And it was raining. And I was walking through Lincoln Park, my phone had died. And so I stood under this awning, waiting for the rain to stop. And I just stood there and stared, and eventually the sun came up, and it turns out I was right there. And then I walked round to the front, and I saw the sign. It was an actual sign. It was a restaurant for lease sign.
1: Like, uh, never too late
3: kind of thing. Yeah, never too late to start over. Chef? Yes, chef.
2: no upstairs. Oh,
3: thank you, chef.
2: Don't be a stranger, Richie.
3: Say hi to Carmen for me. Yeah, will do. Thank you. He
1: believes in you, you know. What makes you say that?
3: He told me. He said you're good with people. He's not wrong.
0: the love story that god's inviting you into church never too late to start over every second counts if you would say yes to this invitation that would be time well spent so say yes find your group find a place to serve come back for worship invite someone to join you next week every second counts let's stand let's sing about god's love as we close